Hello, hello. Hello, hello. I'm Kate. And I'm Allison. And, and we, we are, are the Itty, the Itty Bitty, Bitty Wedding, Wedding Committee. Committee. I think that's the best one we ever did, Allison. I think that's pretty, pretty on point. And that's amazing because today we're on Zoom, but you have your camera off. So I'm just look, looking at a picture of you. Yep. Maybe just pretend like I look like that all the time. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Just super, super glam selfie at all times. Yeah, I'm feeling kind of puffy and icky and sweaty today. So I'm just like, and nobody wants to see this. <laughs> meanwhile, I showed up for the Zoom call with super frizzy heat hair, no makeup, and a giant fresh ketchup stain on my shirt that I'm just not going to change until after That's we record. <laughs> and then it'll go in the wash. Uh, yeah, so we recorded two days ago, but we're recording again pretty quickly for the next week's episode just because I took a week off when I was traveling. Vacation. So, How was yeah, that, by so the way? It was really nice. It was really, really good. I went to Colorado for a few days, and then I visited family out east for another few days and worked while I was there, so I didn't get too behind. Mm-hmm. And it was just nice and summery. It was a good time. Yeah. Did you stay in, like, an Airbnb in Colorado or, like, a hotel or a cabin? Uh, and an actual bed and breakfast in the, the mountains. Yeah, it was really cool because it was just we didn't have to do a whole lot. We could just hang out in the room and walk around the woods and go on little hikes and oh, check out the nice. town. It was mm-hmm. Estes Park where the hotel from The Shining, the Stanley is, which obviously I wanted to see. Uh, I <laughs> We booked it without me realizing that. And then I got very excited and we visited there. We went to a, a spooky magic show there because of Ooh. course we had to. Um, yeah, my husband loves magic. So he was actually really. I didn't know friends. that. Just oh, add yeah. in the pieces, add in the pieces to John mm-hmm. <laughs> of his personality. Mm-hmm. But I'm yeah, also our, not surprised. Well, our second date was to a magic show and I thought it was so sweet and so thoughtful and really cool that he picked that. And I didn't realize how much he liked magic. Yeah. And uh, at some point it came out, like I don't know, not that long ago, maybe a year or two ago that I don't really care either way about magic. And he was so bummed. <laughs> So now I'm, I'm making an effort to go to more magic shows now that we're reopening. Yeah. He really likes it. I guess that explains why you had the, um, the sleight of hand person at your wedding reception. Yes. Yes. It's so funny because when I do budget consultations with clients, I have a line item for, do we want any additional entertainment? And a lot of Mm -hmm. times I'll ask, well, what is that? So I'll just rattle some stuff off like tarot card reader or a live painter or a caricature artist or up close magic. And so often they'll be like, "Ah, ha ha, up close magic and (laughs) laugh at it and make fun of it. I'm like, yeah, I had that. But sometimes they get really into it. I, it's almost always a groom who gets really excited and wants to get up close magic. But I would say like one in what, 12 couples (laughs) get so excited when they think about it. Yeah, that's kind of fun. I feel like I would probably want to do tarot cards, but mm-hmm. he's just is not into that. He's a little bit on the superstitious side. Um, yeah, I'm so not. So like, I like crystals. Crystals are my thing. I love astrology. Maybe I could find like a person that could like do people's astrology charts. That would be fun. I feel like that yeah. would be like towing the line, but he'd still be down for that. I could hook you up. I've got someone who can do that. Do you have a lady or a person or a man or a I, or a dog? I <laughs> do. Oh, wow. God, I would 
kill for an astrology cat at a wedding. That's all I <gasps> that want. That sounds amazing, actually. <laughs> just I wanted to have a little crystal ball and a cape and with like a little hat. Oh, yeah, that's adorable. Okay, astrology cat. That's the new wedding trend for 2022. Yes. Everybody, you heard it here first. That's so funny. all right. <laughs> Top Anywho, <laughs> off to what we came here for. So yes. we're gonna be talking about florals, floral 101. Um, yes. obviously this was something like a topic that we really wanted to have a guest for, which hopefully we will soon. So for this episode, we're just kind of, you know, giving the rundown on just the basics of, you know, navigating the world of floral when it comes to trying to plan that portion of your big day. So hopefully it'll be super fun. I like talking about flowers. Flowers are great. Um, they bring people joy and make people smile. Um, so let's do it. Yes. All right. Well, first things first, how do you find a florist? With everything, you're going to want to get referrals. That's a really mm-hmm. great way to find out who's trusted. Maybe you get them from your venue or if you have from a planner, your planner. Ding, ding, yes. ding. Yes. <laughs> but even friends and family. So if you aren't getting referrals from professionals, friends and family can be a really good place to start. And then you'll know mm-hmm. that someone you know and trust had a good experience on the client end working with this company. Uh, There are a lot of different kinds of florists. Some are more small scale. They'll do just flower flowers, whereas others can give you higher levels of service. So they can bring in extra rentals or they can bring in lighting and pipe and drape and dance floors and stages and all this other production level stuff. Mm -hmm. So it really depends on what you think your needs are. And also, do you want to get everything from the same company or might you really love a certain florist style, even if they don't do some of that other stuff and you can get those other things elsewhere? I think, so Alison, what are your thoughts on finding florists specifically, but vendors in general on Instagram? I'm 50-50 on Instagram mm-hmm. because, and I, I don't know if we've talked about this before, but um, I, I hate to be doom and gloom, um, but unfortunately, especially now that, you know, Instagram is, has really blown up when it comes to, you know, a lot of event and wedding professionals using that as a platform to kind of market their services. Um, it, it's fine from a research perspective, but I would say if you come across a florist on Instagram, do your research, look at referrals, look at reviews, because unfortunately, Fortunately, I haven't had this, like I haven't experienced this personally, but I have heard, you know, some instances, you know, from other event professionals where they'll see a photo that a florist is advertising as their own work and it's actually somebody else's, Um, which again, hate to be doom and gloom, but it happens. Um, And so I would say, you know, just with like the social media age that we're in right now, like it's okay to kind of be a point of reference, but once you've kind of found something that catches your eye on Instagram, um, kind of use that as a jumping off point to further do your research and then just make sure that you do your due due diligence with really, I mean, really any vendor that you might stumble Mm upon um, on Instagram. I totally agree. I think Instagram is really good for just getting general inspiration or maybe getting Mm -hmm. some ideas, but as with a lot of things on Instagram, but in particular flowers, they're they're just pretty, they're easy to photograph. So even mm-hmm. beyond the potential for people to kind of pirate images and stuff like that, just what you're seeing on Instagram is more about that person's marketing skills than it is right. about 
their talent as a professional florist. So really what I'm looking for in a florist, you can't see that coming through most of the time via their social media accounts because we do in this industry see a lot of vendors who are popular and quote unquote cool and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. And they get a really strong social media following, but that doesn't say anything about the level of service they're actually providing to their clients. It doesn't mean that they're actually responsive when you want them to be or they're really organized, or they will update orders when you want them to within a reasonable time Or just time be frame like and super knowledgeable, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I think a lot of what goes into finding a good florist isn't just, is a flower pretty? Because yeah. yes, a flower is pretty and the aesthetic does matter. There are different styles, absolutely, of floristry, but so much else goes into it that Instagram shouldn't be your one-stop shop it can just be a nice little place to get some inspiration. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, like that. As far as, yeah, I, I just think that's helpful for anyone. Like it's, it's great to find people that way, but don't let it be the end all be all. Really do some more research. So Absolutely. once you found a florist through any channel, you know, you found them on Instagram, you found them on a wedding review website, you Googled, you got a referral. Uh, your next step is to reach out, right? And <laughs> to see <laughs> what's going on with them. Uh, Allison, do you do a lot of work with florists with what you've been doing lately for planning um, in your line? Not things? really. Unfortunately, well, not unfortunately, maybe unfortunately for me personally, just because like floral is like one of my favorite <laughs> parts of the planning process. But the clients that I've been dealing with lately are having little to no floral. So I'm just like, this is just great. So I haven't really had the opportunity to deal with um, many florists as of late. Um, but you know, I've had my fair share of, you know, working with florists in the past, um, in a few different capacities, whether it's for like a social event or a corporate event, wedding styled shoot. Um, yeah. Yeah, I wasn't sure where you were with this. So I yeah. work with tons and tons of florists. It's a huge portion of what I do because I, mm-hmm. as a planner, I'm really design focused. So I'm very particular with who we're working with and what's going on and really nailing down the color palettes and the bloom types and the types of things we're doing and just the Mm -hmm. logistical details. And what I always think is best when you're reaching out to a florist, uh, whether it's one you already know or you're working with them the first time, is be enthusiastic, compliment them, like check their availability and then let them tell you what the next steps are for getting a proposal together. Because yeah. some florists might want to meet in person. Some of them might say, hey, just give me some inspiration images or mm-hmm. tell me generally what you're thinking or we have a minimum. Do you think you would meet this? It's really nice to be able to click with the florist you want. And sometimes what I see is people reaching out to vendors in general, but to florists in particular, uh, saying, okay, hey, we're doing this. We want this. We want you to do that. It's this day. It's this, this time. <laughs> it's how much is it? And yeah. that's off-putting for a creative professional because if someone's good and if someone's established and they have a client base already, they want to work with someone who wants to be more collaborative and not yeah. be told what to do, but to really get an understanding of the process and work alongside them rather than dictating to them. Yeah. So mm-hmm. being able to do that and to just to reach out and be friendly and be open will make a big difference. I, I do know some florists who are really popular and they turn away most of the wedding inquiries they get because they do other floral work and they have mm-hmm. other 
income streams. So they'll they'll say no to most wedding clients because they just kind of don't want to pick up what those clients are putting down. And yeah, that's fine. That's to each their own. But I think you'll you'll find that when you're reaching out to florists and telling them like why you think you click with them and wanting to learn more about what they do and how their process works, that's really mm-hmm. beneficial. Yeah, I and I can I always appreciate you know when I'm interacting with florists, I can always appreciate a florist that really has that more consultative kind of customizable approach. Um, I don't know. I honestly, that's kind of my bread and butter with like any kind of vendor, like any vendor that has that more consultative, customized, customizable approach with their clients, like are always high up on my list. And I think with mm-hmm. with floral, um, you know some couples like you were saying they're just like oh well it's just you know flowers and they're bunching them together and you know just let me know how much it's going to cost but you know there's really you know a level of design that a lot of people don't really think about when it comes to floral and there's also you know a level of expertise you know that most good qualified established florals have florists have um and you know you can really see that come through in the way that they start the process like before you even get to getting a contract um and i think it's always a good sign when they're asking kind of those questions of you know what's your aesthetic what's your feel what kind of vibe are you going for and just really kind of digging deeper um with some of those questions um that couples might not necessarily anticipate coming from a florist so i would say if you are doing your research and reaching out to florists just be be patient with them you know like Kate was saying you know be very gracious and tell them you know how much you love their work and hopefully that they'll be a good fit for what you're looking for for your wedding but just be patient with kind of that more hands-on learning like them kind of getting to know you because at the end of the day like that's going to come through with whatever design that you decide to go on or go with, with your florist. So, Mm -hmm. you know, don't rush that process, like just kind of trust the process and, you know, let them do their thing. And all those millions of questions that they're asking you, they're asking you for a reason (laughs) because they want to make sure that it fits, you know, what they're, what they do. And also they want to make sure that, you know, they're a good fit for what you're looking for. I totally agree. So as you're going through that inquiry phase, just be upfront with them about what you think you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you don't know something, that's fine. You are not the first person the florist has met who didn't have the answer or needed more guidance. So really, they'll they'll be able to educate you. They'll be able to help fill in the gaps and help you get a better sense of what you're looking for, which is really, really helpful. So mm-hmm. one thing to note is they might have a minimum. If you don't think you would comfortably meet that minimum, fine. That's the reason they have it is so no one's wasting their time, right? And if they can only take so many events per weekend, and they say, hey, I have a $3,000 minimum and you were looking to spend more like $1,000. Totally fine. You know, just you'll move on to the next one. And that way you're not putting in all this extra frustrating time for no reason, getting a proposal that won't work for you. And they're not putting all this time in either. Because a proposal for floral, especially an order that is a little bulkier, takes a mm-hmm. really, really long time. So much detail. Yes. Now that we're <laughs> reopening, it's especially challenging because florists have to work with a lot of third-party vendors and they need mm-hmm. to be contracted for them. So while you might just think, oh, I want a pretty bouquet that looks like this, then your florist has to think about 
how many stems am I putting in? What do I need for overage in case the product you order doesn't come in perfect for every piece? Mm -hmm. Uh, What particular variety, what particular color am I ordering from a reliable grower? Uh, Really, what is all of this going to cost? Because once they've quoted costs to you, what if your grower raises the rates and things like that? So they're dealing with a lot of essentially putting together a restaurant menu, but the rest yeah. of everything on the menu is your <laughs> personalized floral order. And it just coming up with all these different recipes for bouquets and boutonnieres and corsages and centerpieces based on what you want, based on what's going to cook with the budget and what they can get. So they're kind of a, a middle person for a lot of this stuff. And they need to really do solid research because once they've quoted it to you, they're more or less sticking to that, even if yeah. Mm-hmm. So it definitely does take time. And then you're, of course, considering your aesthetic too, and maybe pulling together a vision board for you and demonstrating to you what all these individual blooms are. So when we're talking about Lysianthus, you know what Lysianthus is. <laughs> uh, it's, it's definitely a lot. Uh, and then there are other things that you'll see when you get this proposal. So it can feel overwhelming to say the least, especially if you're asking for a lot, but you'll want to look through that in a lot of detail and maybe even go over it with your florist along with any images to talk about what you really like and what you might want to change. Yeah. It's a lot of stuff. Uh, To that end, I would say when you're going over your initial proposal or any revisions, just make sure that you're really being detail-oriented. It can feel overwhelming, but paying attention to the details is important because things can change. Maybe you book your florist a year before the wedding, and if you forget to tell them, like, oh, I I took a bridesmaid out, or I added another boutonniere in, or whatever it is, they won't know that. So you might think you told them because you told another vendor (laughs) that you had a change in the wedding party, or that you wanted to mix up your colors, or something like that. Uh, but it can be easy to slip through the cracks if you either forget to tell your florist something that they would have needed to know, and then you just get it in your head that you did tell them and don't check on the paper. Mm-hmm. Or just because a florist does need to work with a lot of details, maybe you did tell them something when you told them 10 other things, and one of those things slipped through the cracks and didn't make it onto a revised order. So it's really important to double check just so you're not blindsided and your florist is not blindsided by an unhappy client on the day of (laughs) yeah nobody wants to be blindsided so Mm -mm. over overly communicate yes a theme of this podcast yes (laughs) we should just call it the overly communicated podcast (laughs) yeah seriously just be very very proactive with your communication so allison what do you think you see clients kind of misunderstanding or not really thinking about the most when it comes to booking and working with a florist for their wedding? I think one of the the two biggest things that I see is one, understanding that there are different levels of service that different florists provide, which you kind of touched on earlier, um, where it's like some florists, like that's all that they do. They just do florals. Don't ask them about anything else. Some of them do floral and candle. Some of them do floral candles and drape. Like there's levels to that. And I think, um, it can be kind of misleading. Um, if you don't do your research of like what that florist does, or like, if you saw something on Instagram and on Instagram, you saw like, uh, elaborate floral setup that had like crazy candles and 
beautiful fabrics and you're thinking oh well you know the only person that's tagged on this is a florist that must mean that they do all these things like you know you don't want to make any assumptions about you know what level of service the person provides especially if you know that your wedding might be a little bit more multifaceted as far as like the level of design that's involved um so you know just make sure that you know the florist that you're researching kind of hit all those points of all those things that you are kind of expecting them or want them to do and so that way by the time you get to proposal and contract nobody's blindsided because they thought that this person did this when actually they don't do that um so that's one thing i see um and then the other thing that i see quite often is um couples not quite understanding um how seasonality and the type of uh, flowers and greenery that they're choosing, how that affects the cost. Um, so that's probably like one of the, probably the number one thing, if I'm being honest, <laughs> is understanding, you know, certain flowers are, you know, a little bit more cost effective than others because this particular flower is available all year round. Whereas this other flower, everyone, I always love to use peonies as an example, because everyone loves peonies. Yep. Um, they're only available, you know, what is it like, April through November or something like that, May through November? Well, you can, the thing is you can usually get a lot of flowers year round. It's just, yeah. are we going to have a better guarantee that they're high quality? Right. And uh, it, it's tough. So peonies are really like late May, early June when mm -hmm. they're perfection. And then you will get them again, like in kind of mid fall. Yeah. Sometimes late fall. And I, I have them sometimes in winter weddings and all that. It's just we always have to take it with a grain of salt because mm -hmm. you might order them and pay for them and then they come in and they're just kind of sad so you don't use them anyway <laughs> yeah we don't want sad flowers but yeah just like understanding that certain flowers or certain um greenery might cost more because of the season that you're getting married or because it might be like an exotic flower or an exotic plant that's going to cost more than say a garden spray rose um so those are probably yeah. like the biggest two things that i see um, that couples are kind of like, wait, what, what's happening here? <laughs> well, and you mentioned a garden rose. So a spray rose is pretty simple. A spray rose is usually pretty cost-effective, available year-round, whereas a garden rose, a lot of the time, that's something that kind of looks like a peony. It has a very, mm -hmm. very high petal count, and those are very expensive, even though they're not considered something exotic. They're definitely a more specialty bloom, and a lot of yeah. them are even kind of trademarked, like there are these certain strains of them, if you ever hear about David Austin roses that's what you're hearing mm -hmm. about but even stuff that you might be seeing on Instagram that looks so 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 cool to you uh like a massive ranunculus and if you don't know what I ranunculus love is, ranunculus that's my favorite flower yeah <laughs> they're amazing but there's even a kind called Japanese ranunculus and it's much bigger it's mm -hmm. huge compared to a normal one but it's very very expensive so if you're asking for lots of florals that have tons and tons of blooms and tons of specialty mm -hmm. blooms and not a ton of greenery to fill it in or not a ton of something that is often used to fill in like hydrangea which has tons of flowers and takes up a lot of space per set mm -hmm. it's going to really change your costs for sure yeah yeah or like um i know that like those kind of more exotic like desert plants and flowers have been kind of in over the past couple of years and so like yeah. those are like you know super expensive because a lot of those have to be imported from somewhere um so yeah fun times trying to figure all that out but if you hopefully you did your research and you hired a florist that can kind of guide you and walk you through and kind of explain 
you know, all of these kind of little factors that go into, you know, the final decisions of what florals you're going to have for your big day. And right now, if you're thinking about flowers for 2021, just know that the supply is a little more limited this year because a lot of growers Mm -hmm. last year during the pandemic didn't plant as much. So uh, one of the things I heard even on a call with the florist this week is it's really hard right now to get uh, what's called a toffee rose, which is a Mm -hmm. particular kind of rose. It's really popular. It's kind of beige or was it a toffee rose or something else? One of those kind of beige roses uh, is super challenging right now. (laughs) And I mean, that's, that just comes with the territory, but a client wouldn't know that. So Mm -hmm. when you're asking for this stuff and looking for this, just know that flowers are living products. And I think a lot of what I see with the the common misunderstandings that I see just come down to what goes into being a florist, right? So it's not just the client facing end of things, the business administration end of things, all the proposals and the sales work and stuff like that, uh, keeping everything afloat internally. But it's also just what is going into really doing highly creative, highly technical design work on a very tight time frame mm-hmm. for a client for a wedding day. So that means that they're going to need to hear from their clients about three weeks out, typically, what that final count of items is going to be, like the number of bouquets, the number of centerpieces, which we won't know until we're getting close to knowing our final guest count, mm-hmm. because they need to then place that order with their supplier. Even the florists who are very local and sustainable and grow their own stuff are still going to need to place outside product orders because they're just not going to have everything. Right. So mm-hmm. they're going to need to place those orders, get them in about three weeks out. Then they're going to need to get the orders, check them. They're going to need to follow up with the grower if they got something wrong or if something came in yucky. And they're going to need to know kind of like how trustworthy is this grower so I can know if I need to order a little overage because maybe this particular kind of bloom just might be a little iffy when I get it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or the color might not be what the client wants. So they have to do that. Then they have to receive all this bulk floral product, get it ready to arrange. So keep it in water, keep it at the right temperature, uh, get rid of all those extra leaves and thorns and all that icky stuff, uh, then produce it. So at that point mm-hmm. now, again, this is very time sensitive. It's not like they can say, oh, we have two weeks before the wedding and I have so much free time. I'm going to do it now. They have to do it within a span of days before the wedding, uh, get it all produced, which a lot of the time takes extra labor. So that's when they're kind of doing their assembly line for all the flowers. They then have to make sure, again, that it's staying at the right temperature. So not too hot, not too cold, refrigerated, but not like a kitchen fridge refrigerator, right? So they Mm -hmm. have all this equipment, like a walk-in refrigerator that they need to use. Uh, They have to need to get it ready to deliver. So make sure it's all going to stay stable as they transport it. Again, stay cool as they transport it. Uh, They're going to need to make sure the logistics make sense for getting the right things to the right person and the labor on site to get everything installed. And the florists are also going to be doing things like placing and lighting your candles, which is extremely Mm -hmm. time consuming. And then the next big thing after that is the strike. So, okay, first of all, they've also been doing all of the communication work with the client and the venue and anyone else to work out these timelines and make sure they're budgeting appropriately for their labor and what time is needed. 
but the forest doing the strike is truly a godsend. Right. Uh, this is what a lot of people who are very, totally, a lot of people who are very DIY don't think about. Uh, strike takes a lot. So candles, for example, placing and lighting the candles is enough. You have to get all the fresh wax. You have to get them all in their little containers and get them out on the floor where they need to go and then get the wicks lit. That's enough. End of the night strike, though, means they have to blow it out. They have to wait for the wax to cool. Right. They then have to repack in a way where transporting is not going to break all the glass. Uh, they have to strike the flowers. So they need to pull everything together. They need to remove and dump the water into buckets that they need to dump out and dispose of appropriately because the venue doesn't just want that stuff sloshing all down their driveway or anything like that. Uh, it takes a lot of time. They have to repack the vessels that everything came in. They have to account for all of their rental vessels because mm -hmm. clients typically are not purchasing these specialty bases. They're rented from the florist. And this will take a lot of time. So strike, even for a simple wedding, is going to take 30, 45, 60 minutes. And then it just goes up from there. And it's multiple people. And they need to have multiple people come back the night of the wedding or the morning after. No one really mm -hmm. wants to be doing this heavy manual labor <laughs> at midnight. So they're, they're really scrambling to find people who are going to do it reliably. And then they have to figure out what to do with the products. Do they rearrange it and donate it to a nonprofit? Do they compost it? Do they just toss it out, which a lot do. So there is a ton that goes into being an event florist other than simply yeah. being able to arrange a pretty bouquet and take yeah. a picture of it and put it on Instagram. Absolutely. Yeah. And I would say like, I've honestly, the bouquets and the boutonnieres are the easy part, like the oh, yeah. installations and even the centerpieces themselves, like those are the hard parts. Like there's so much like work and science that goes into putting those together and making sure that they're full, but also structurally sound because nobody wants, you know, a vase or a floral centerpiece, like falling over on one of their tables. So there's a lot of work that goes into it, which is why we do not recommend, you know, someone tasking themselves or, you know, a non-floral professional to, you know, do their own floral work um, because there's a lot of work just like Kate just went over that goes into it um, before it even gets to the venue that a lot of these floors have to do to make sure that you're getting like the best quality product and the best looking flowers like on your wedding day. Mm -hmm. And so you can't just go to like Whole Foods or Trader Joe's and be like, oh, well, I'm going to get like all my own stuff. And like, where are you like, do you have the storage for all of this? Do you know how to, you know, prep all the stems and remove all the gross stuff? Like, do you know how to assemble a centerpiece? I've been doing this you for even a long have ass the climate time. control. I don't know. I don't even have the climate control. <laughs> yeah. I said, I can, I can arrange the flowers, but I like, I'm, I do not want the responsibility of putting together the structure of a centerpiece and making sure that it doesn't fall over. I do not want that yeah. responsibility. And so there's just so much work. And it's like, if you know for a fact that you cannot do 90% of all of those things that we just said, then I would just, just don't do it. Like just hire a professional, mm -hmm. Um, you know, there's a wide variety of florists within a wide variety of price points where it's like you're hiring a professional that's doing professional floral work and you're not tasking yourself or your aunt to do it because mm -hmm. I've seen disasters and it's not fun. <laughs> and also a very, very general rule of thumb mm -hmm. because this can completely vary, but 
florists in general have access to wholesale accounts, right? So they yes. have access to not only mm-hmm. the more affordable bulk flowers that they can get in the correct quantities and pre-order so nothing goes wrong, uh, but they have the correct materials for doing all of this floristry and making these arrangements efficiently and well on top of that. So cost-wise, you making something that you think, well, I can do it cheaper and blah, 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 is not ultimately going to be as cheap as you think compared to what the florist is charging because Mm -hmm. they have untaxed wholesale accounts to begin with that they're ordering from. They're not paying those retail flower prices. And typically, uh, florists are going to be charging about 50% for the product itself and about 50% for the labor. And Mm -hmm. the labor isn't just you coming in and making a bouquet on the day of. The labor is also all the advanced work with a client that goes into planning, all of the risk if a client doesn't like something, Mm -hmm. all of the communication, all of the sales, all of the administrative stuff, all of their business costs. So really when it comes down to it, it's not like florists are making tons and tons of money until they get to the level where they're very established and very popular and just crank out large scale, high budget events they're they're not going to be making things so they're not ripping you off they're they're probably charging what is a reasonable amount it just seems like a lot because it's not what you're used to when you're walking into a grocery store and picking something up which is just an entirely different business model right exactly this is basically just a florist appreciation episode honestly (laughs) (laughs) basically but I think I think the education is important because this is stuff that comes up commonly where people say well I can just do this like why would I pay someone to do this and, and then you're like, this is all the reasons why you should pay someone to do yes. this. <laughs> and then you're you're too deep in and you don't know what to do. And you're but, surrounded by flowers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So definitely, I think it's important to just kind of have that out there. Like, yes, a florist is more expensive sometimes, a mm-hmm. little bit, than doing it yourself. But there is a very, very, very good reason for that. And I think that florists who are really good at their jobs, who are great with the communication and the client experience and all of it are worth their weight in gold. Right now, yeah. for example, mm-hmm. florists are just uh, just completely underwater because now we're reopening and everyone is saying, okay, my wedding is on, let's do this. And then there are other people who are trying to do new last minute bookings and all this other stuff. And meanwhile, they're scrambling for product. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I salute you, florists, yes. <laughs> of, florists of the United States right now and probably around the world. Uh, in addition to that, there are just timelines, I think, get, that clients should know about when they're thinking about working with a florist so they know what to expect. So first timeline, just book your florist, right? Yeah. Uh, you're, you're not going to get a free sample for floral or anything like that. If you want to see a sample of their work, you can look at images for that or you can place a special order if they'll allow you to and you would be paying for that. Yeah. So, and don't sleep. Like if there's a florist that you like and you've done the communication, don't sleep on booking them because florists book up like any other vendor. Um, and like mm-hmm. Kate was kind of alluding to earlier, you know, they're either doing, you know, only so many, so many weddings a year, or they might have other streams of business that they might be focusing on. So they're probably only taking, you know, X amount of weddings a year. So, you know, you want to make sure that you get, you know, the florist that you want for your day. So definitely book that sooner rather than later, just so you have Mm -hmm. them locked in on their calendar. 
And if there's that cool popular florist you love, especially know that that person's mm-hmm. in higher demand. Whereas sure, you can book a florist three months out. No problems. Even for a hot date, you'll find no, somebody. No, don't do that. Stress me out. But I'm sweating already. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> if you want your pick of the good florists, you need to do sooner. Ideally, you'll do this. You'll start looking into florists around like nine, eight, nine months to a year out. Mm-hmm. And that's a really nice time to just get them on the calendar, get them booked. You don't need to make every final decision then, but just make sure that they are aware of your wedding day and they're booked for it. So (laughs) you can just breathe easy. Uh, From there, there wouldn't be a whole lot to do post booking until you get closer to the day. So one of the things that you're going to be able to do if you in particular have like a larger floral order is a mock-up or a sample. Mm -hmm. So that a lot of the time what I do as a planner is I try to pair that with all of our tabletop rentals and our linen stuff as well. So we can see what the tables will look like, or if it's a larger floral production company, we're also going to have a sample of the lighting and all this other stuff. So try to get a more cohesive look. Usually that mock-up, it really depends. I like to do them a few months out. So anywhere from like two to four months before the wedding, sometimes we do them a month out, which I think is cutting it a bit close. Sometimes we do them even further out, which I think is a little far because Mm tastes can change. But I think two to four months for that mock-up is really the sweet spot because there's plenty of time to pivot, to make adjustments, to get new orders in. And it's fresh enough in your mind and it's close enough to the date that you're going to feel really confident about it as you get close to the wedding day. Exactly. Uh, don't expect to have everything mocked up in your sample, of course. So it's like, usually... I want to see my whole wedding in a mock-up. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Okay. You can pay for your whole wedding twice. Good luck. But you... <laughs> Sometimes we'll get a bouquet sample, sometimes not, because the bouquets are pretty high investment. Yeah. A lot of the time you'll be getting centerpieces and lighting and just seeing how everything looks cohesively. So you can get a really good sense of this. Uh, the nice thing about a sample is a lot of the time you get to keep the flowers, not the vessels they come in, but you can bring home any of the arrangements themselves a lot of the time. And then the next step with your florist is going to be If you didn't already do some kind of walkthrough with them, you're going to have a final walkthrough with your florist and your caterer and your planner and your venue and uh, maybe your band, just depending on all the people who need to be there. So that'll be anywhere from one to two months out. I think about four to six weeks for the final walkthrough is an ideal. Four weeks is, I think, really good just because the vendors have, in general, are a little more on the same page by that point. Yeah. And Mm -hmm ready to focus on the wedding but you'll want to book that of course before you're actually trying to get it done and your florist will go to the walkthrough and you'll get to talk through the details refresh your memory about how everything looks and then usually around a week after that is when you're going to need to finalize your order with the florist so they can place their product order yeah that sounds fabulous And uh, yeah, that's, those are the basics of just the timeline for working with a florist. It varies a lot, but florists are also great people when you're looking for rentals to help you get some of those rentals, because sometimes even if they don't have particular things you want, like particular vases or a particular kind of arbor for your ceremony, uh, they can find that and help make that part of your order. So it can be very cohesive. Yeah. So it's like, you're not dealing with five different places where you're getting five different things you can kind of have everything under you know a nice organized umbrella um so that's always a nice plus if they have some of those additional resources to just kind of make your planning a little bit easier 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, a couple of little caveats just from a contracty perspective. One is make sure your venue doesn't have an exclusive florist list. If they do, mm-hmm. you're going to need to stick with that or find out options for going off list if you want to. Uh, that list may be commissioned, so you would want to find out about that as well. Uh, beyond that, be careful too about thinking you can book different florists. So maybe you want one florist to do your personal flowers like bouquets and boutonnieres and another mm-hmm. one to do decor flowers. A lot of the time that's not going to fly just because yeah. they want to be the exclusive floral professional working the wedding and crediting gets dicey when you're looking yeah. at pictures. Have you ever uh, had a so client like try to do that? I've had requests for that. Sometimes it's just a budget thing where they want to DIY mm. one thing and order another, which is a little more acceptable. Although yeah. DIY with flowers makes me very nervous. <laughs> we won't and, even go there. <laughs> and other times, uh, though, I, I've had clients say, hey, I really want to work with like my local flower shop, mm-hmm. but maybe could we just get them for the bouquet or something? And you could, but then I would also have to tell any other prospective florists like, hey, this is what they're thinking of doing. And that could mean that those other florists are going to say, well, no, then I'm not doing this wedding. Yeah. So it can, it can limit the options. Yeah, absolutely. Allison, what else, what else do you think people need to know about floral that they don't always think about? Hmm. I'm trying to think, I think we covered all the major points. I'm trying to think if there's anything that I'm missing. Um, Ooh, I don't know how often you see this, but sometimes I feel like people might assume that a florist has just like all of this extra kind of product lying around at, you know, for whatever reason. Um, And I know you could probably speak a little bit more to this than I can, but normally like florists, when they order like product, they order what's needed and, and then some, you know, just to give them cushion, like if something you know, doesn't look right or if they think they might need a little bit extra, but outside of that, they're not ordering, you know, an entire greenhouse worth of product. Um, so don't think for some reason like, oh, well, you know, I, I really wish that I would have done a flower crown for grandma. Like, let me go ask my florist if she has, you know, extra foliage for a three flower crowns that I just decided that I wanted. Like, nope. Again, very rare. I've probably seen this only happen once or twice, but just know like what you order is, you know, what you have and florists can't just pull extra flowers out of their, you know, wares. So don't expect them to do that. Yeah. Yeah, If you're asking for that on a wedding day, they just, they can't always put in the labor either. Yeah. Or maybe they did bring a little bit extra, but they brought Mm -hmm. it more to fill in the gaps on the stuff you did order. Right. So if, if you're trying to pull that for other things, there could be additional charges because of that work or your original stuff that you booked could look a little sparse. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, I, I think that's really good advice, Allison, just because that's not something people would always consider. And it's especially true for event specific florists who don't have an open to the public flower shop. Right. Because sometimes those florists will have a little more, but still you're going to pay for it. It's not like you just can walk in. Get and free flowers. Product. <laughs> yes. Uh, So I think that's really, really good advice. I think also just knowing to be very specific with what you're looking for, really calling out when you're sharing an image of something you like, like, this is what I like about this image, but I don't like that flower, or I do like that color, or I want this bigger or smaller, or I want more texture, any of that. So 
in general, just really establish that rapport with the florist you choose and feel like they are going to get your vision. Because if you're seeing all super traditional flowers on their Instagram and on their portfolio, and then you're wanting something super bohemian, that's probably not the fit for you. Yeah. Or mm-hmm. if, you know, your florist is super boho and on trend and out there and you're just like, well, I just want some tight, all rose arrangements that are very round, maybe some hydrangeas. That's not really going to be their thing. Yeah. Pick, mm-hmm. pick, pick a florist that makes sense for what you're trying to do. Yeah. Like don't, don't commission a designer at Dior and then tell them you want the look to be I, I'm just kidding. I was going to get too obscure with designers here. It's like Balenciaga. <laughs> Bingo. Yes. I mean, they're kind of on opposite ends of the spectrum when it comes to design. So they overlap a decent amount, I feel like. Yeah. I also, I can never get over like, what was it? Circa 2007, that be the Balenciaga silhouette with those huge poofy, poofy sleeves and mm-hmm. kind of like the midi tight dress. So now that's all I think of when I think of Balenciaga. <laughs> when you think even of Balenciaga. It's, but it's like 15 years ago. I need to get over it. You're like scarred for life. No, I loved it. Oh no, no. The exact opposite. I'm very, like, very. bring it like, back. Yes. It's not a scar. It's a permanent, beautiful tattooed for life. <laughs> so Allison, anything else we feel like we should cover for floral today? Uh, I don't think so. I think we covered everything. Nice. Um, I won't beat over a dead horse, but I was just going to say, don't do your own florists or don't do your own floral again. Um, yeah, if you're out. <laughs> we don't want to beat a dead horse, but maybe we'll, we'll just, we'll just poke the dead horse a little bit. Um, Poor horse. Yeah, I know. He's just like, stop poking me. Um, but yeah, I think we've covered pretty much everything. I think if there's anything that we haven't covered um, that anyone has questions about, that might be a fun opportunity. Like if anyone wants to email us or send us a message on Instagram and ask any floral questions that we might not have answered here, feel free to do so. I know it's kind of a lot and we're really just, you know, scratching the surface of the world of florals, but um, yeah, I think, I think that's all of it. Yeah. Great. Well, if you want to reach out to us, you can always reach us on Instagram, IVWC underscore podcast or on Gmail, just email us itty bitty wedding committee at gmail.com. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. I'm Kate. And I'm Allison. And, and we, we are the itty bitty wedding, wedding committee. committee. I think that's the best one we ever did, Allison. I think that's pretty, pretty on point. <laughs>